Good morning, church. Uh, it's an absolute privilege uh, to stand before you this morning. Uh, we are continuing with our, our series in the book of Acts. And uh, it's amazing to think that it's almost been about six months now since we have been in the book of Acts. 28 chapters, we've only done eight. So an exciting 20 chapters ahead of us of what it is that God wants to teach us. Um, so last week, Jared shared with us uh, an incredible story, uh, a two-part story of a man named Philip, of how God worked amazingly as the church began from um, Jerusalem. Um, but in chapter 8, at the beginning, we see uh, a breakout of persecution so severe that it actually drives out all the believers except the apostles. So quite an, uh, an amazing turn of events there. Um, and we find uh, this man named Saul, who would later be known as Paul, uh, so devoted and so determined to persecute the church that he was dragging men and women out of their homes to throw them into prison. And yet, <clears throat> amazingly, wherever the disciples ended, excuse me, Wherever the disciples ended, they continued to preach the good news about Jesus. How amazing is that? And we find uh, the man named Philip uh, in a place called Samaria, uh, where he continued to preach. And uh, we see evil spirits driven out. We see lame and paralyzed people being healed. We see the city filling with joy at the news of Jesus Christ. Even the named man Simon, who was a sorceress, um, came to believe, though his heart was later to be tested, he became a follower of Jesus as well. And obviously the word gets back to Jerusalem, uh, to the apostles, hearing what's happening in Samaria, they decided to send John and Peter down there to see what was going on. And uh, we find... Um, that um, they come in and Peter encourages the church. He prays for them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's where we'll be picking up this morning in book of Acts chapter 8. Uh, we'll read from verse 26. But before we do, let's uh, say a word of prayer together. My dear Father God in heaven, what a privilege, God. What a glorious morning it is, Father, to stand before you, to stand before your congregation uh, is, is a privilege, Lord, I could have never dreamt of. And uh, I just want to really beg of you this morning, Father, to be the words, Father, that are spoken here this morning, Father. I pray that, Father, what we hear today is exactly what you wanted us to hear, Father. Lord, as you meet us in our individual places and in our journeys spiritually, I pray that we each find something, a message that is designed and directed at us. Thank you so much for the amazing work that you've been doing for generations to bring a kingdom that will last forever, and you've brought it even to the Gentiles such as ourselves. We pray, Father, that you're glorified this morning. I pray that you speak through me, and that, Father, I will be set aside, Father, for the purposes of your word, and that, Lord, what we intended to achieve with it this morning will be achieved. We thank you, and we thank you, God, for our song leaders, for just a great time of worship just to get our minds prepared for us to hear your word. 
Lord, we thank you and we pray all of these things in your glorious son's name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Acts chapter 8, we're picking up from verse 26 down to 40. I'm reading from the NLT, so if your sound slightly different, you'll find the context is exactly the same in the content as well. Uh, there may be differences in small words here and there. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of prophet of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I, when there is no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb in silent before the she- as the lamb is silent before the sharers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and re- received no justice. He, he, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with the same scripture, then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the courage to stop. Then they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the city of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every city along the way until he came to Caesarea. Now this is a pretty, pretty amazing story. First of all, we pick it up with a simple instruction from the angel of the Lord. Now, the angel is nothing more than a messenger of God, an attendant or an agent of God. And he says to Philip, go. Go down south. Now, God has long since been in the business of sending people. And we might think it's a relatively new concept. It's actually not. If we look back in Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God says to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, your family, and go to a land that I'll tell you. That's a pretty big deal. Later on in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, he says, take your son, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. So this this has just always been the theme with God throughout the ages, sending his people. Now, God will not always ask us the easiest things, will he? He will not always ask at the most convenient times. But Philip, being the man that he was, he did not ask 
Why, Lord? It's a deserted desert road. What will I find there? What does he do? He goes. Immediately. And by the way, this is the same Philip that was tasked with a menial task of distributing food. You know, some of us, and I'm using the word intentionally, menial, because sometimes we rank the positions that we serve in the church. You know, cleaning the bathrooms, uh, not so lucky. But the man filled with the Holy Spirit, so humble, he was willing to do that. He was trusted with the menial task. Now God is trusting him with big things. So what is the lesson for us just in this one verse? God values obedience. Very good friend of mine once said to me, Fundo Tali, where he said, we're talking about the topic of obedience, he said, obedience is not a prerequisite our understanding, rather, is not a prerequisite to obedience. We live in an information age. We want to understand things. Why? What's there? What difference will it make? And that's not what we see in Philip. Faithfully, he obeys. And he goes, not knowing what's there. God told him to go and he went. In verse 27, we're told that he meets a man of great authority. Who would have known? On a deserted desert road, there's this high government official traveling there. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a detail in terms of who this eunuch was. There is no name mentioned here. All we know is that he was the second most powerful person in the country or in Ethiopia where he was coming from being the treasurer to the queen now I don't know what version of the Bible you're reading yours might have mentioned that Candace, the queen of Ethiopia and I found interesting this is one of those uh, uh, Jared freebies it's just a point of interest that Candace actually was not her name Candace was the position that she held as the queen of Ethiopia. So she was the queen or the Kandaki or the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. I thought that was pretty cool. So similarly to the pharaoh, so the pharaoh is not the name, but it's the position that the kings of Egypt held. So now Philip comes face to face with this man and who is known or we are told that he was a eunuch. Now, this is a, a physical condition um, that many men took, some voluntarily, some it was a requirement, depending on what it is that they were doing. And um, this was actually made, or it was intended for these guys to have absolutely no distractions from their jobs. They were to devote their lives and everything to their jobs. No worries of children someday. No wife worries. They were devoted to the task to which they were called. So, depending on who you are, being a eunuch might not have been a bad thing if you are that kind of person. Now, 
One of the most important things we hear about this African, if you haven't picked it up by now, okay, he was a God-fearing man. He didn't understand everything there was to understand. The only thing that he had and held dear to was his love for this God of the Israelites. He traveled all the way from Ethiopia, all the way to Jerusalem to worship him. He recognized that this was the only God worthy to be worshipped. So, now here's the challenge though for him being the eunuch. This man would never have been allowed in the inner courts of the temple by virtue of his physical condition. Now picture this, here's a man so hungry for God, he wants to get close to God. But the law, the regulations and everything else will not allow him. Yet he persisted. The Bible doesn't tell us this was the first time he went there. To me, it seems like this was a thing that he might have done annually. He persisted pursuing this God. Eagerly. So, despite his position, you know, as powerful as he was, that couldn't gain him the access he wanted to God. That's a very, very powerful thing. That sometimes we think having it all provides the access to God and to heaven and all of that. And it doesn't. And this eunuch recognized this. So if there's a lesson for us in this verse, I would say this is what it is. Even the rich and the powerful need God. It helps a great deal when they recognize their need for God. But even if they don't, that does not absolve us of the responsibility to go. When God tells us to go, you know, if you're anything like myself, we tend to size people up based on their appearances, right? We look at how they dressed, we look at car they drive, or what suburb they seem to be driving towards at the end of the day, and you're thinking, yo, they've got it all sorted out. And we are finding that it's not always the case. Now the question for us this morning is, when God does send us, will we go? Doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what the status of the person is in the community, will we go when God sends us? Now, the question that might maybe just bring it a lot closer to ourselves If you want to know whether you are walking in step with the Spirit or not, answer this. When last did you go? When the Spirit sent you to somebody. That will give you an indication of where you are in your walk with God as well as your obedience to the Spirit. Um, Okay, we carry on where the Holy Spirit now instructs him to go over and walk alongside the carriage. And again, this, this just blows my mind. Maybe the version of my, the Bible that I'm using here, it says, Philip ran. There's a sense of eagerness here. You know, if you compare these two guys, maybe Jonah and Philip, there's such a, a difference. Jonah, man, you, he, it was a struggle. And Philip, on the other hand, God says, go, he runs. Obviously, the carriage wasn't waiting, being driven, I don't know how many horses, 
it wasn't walking or it wasn't driving at a man's normal walk pace. So he had some, some ground to gain. He had to catch up. But he went. And as he gets closer to the carriage, he hears this man reading the scriptures out loud. Now this is where it gets interesting for me. Philip blurts out, do you understand what you're reading? In my mind, there is so many ways this could have gone wrong. <laughs> you know? First of all, the eunuch could have responded, and who, you, who are you? You know? Walking and looking all dusty and, you know, what makes you think that I don't understand what I'm reading? I don't see you carrying a, a scroll. I've got one. You know? What makes you think I do not have the insights into what I'm reading? But the opposite, we see the opposite in this eunuch. He says, no. How can I? Unless somebody teaches me. And my Bible says, he begged him to come on board to teach him these truths. That is pretty humble. For a man who held so much power and influence. That is pretty humble. That blows my mind. Now here's the cool part in all of this. I mean, I know some of you think that you've had Bible studies in some pretty cool places, maybe hotel four years or whatever, but you've never had one on a, chari- on a chariot. Horse-driven chariot. What a ride. Discuss- discussing scriptures. Teaching the good news of Jesus. I think that's pretty awesome. So it says Philip continued to teach him beginning in this very place where he was reading and showed him many other scriptures. Now what is a lesson here for us? While we contemplate, while we complicate, God is busy accomplishing the work of his salvation. I want to say this again so that we hear it. While we contemplate and complicate, God is busy accomplishing the work of salvation that he's doing. Now, we either partake in this because it's an open invitation to us. When God says to you and I, go, it's an open invitation to participate in this. We can either be part of it or we can be outside of that process. God will continue to do his work. Nothing will hold him back. So after some time along the road, uh, the pair comes to a place where there is a pool of water. Now, I don't know if you caught the part that this was a desert. Okay? Not just a deserted part of the desert. Okay? And here is a body of water so large to immerse a fully grown African man. You know, this to me doesn't make sense. Because in the desert, water is wealth in the desert. You want to be close to water. Why was there nobody there? So, did God provide this pool? If you ask me, I think he did. I don't think it was a a coincidence at all. I think this was God's meticulous plan. So, after baptism, um, it says here the eunuch 
went away rejoicing. But here's the cool part. Whoosh! Philip disappears. <laughs> I cannot get my head around that. I really can't. I think it's amazing. I think it's absolutely amazing. I believe it with all of my heart because God can do it. I know He can do it. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a, it's, it's such a pretty amazing miracle if you think about it. Yeah. Really, just from where we started reading up until this point, this is like a miracle after a miracle. Yeah. All in one day. Sure. How privileged was this man named Philip? Now, it is believed that this Ethiopian eunuch went on to become a witness for Christ back in his home country. So, sometimes while we procrastinate, while we contemplate, we don't know what God's plan is. Imagine if Philip had the same attitude as Jonah. And this was one of those things that happened once in the year. The eunuch might not have been traveling down that road that period of time in that year. So, God is working, church. I think we've heard this over and over, and we need to let this sink in. God is working, and we've got to allow him to use us, because he wants to use us. Now, as we conclude, I cannot promise you a chariot-driven ride at the end of it, but there's only one thing I know, that God is looking for obedient servants royal members of the priesthood that he's chosen to partner up with him in this city, in this province, in this country and continent and the world. The, the question is, will you go? Will I go? We've learned that every human being needs God. We need to pray that we refrain from grading people. We cannot say this one needs God more, this one not so much. We don't know until you speak to them. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us and directs us who to speak to. Will you and I be the light, the connector and the bridge that God wants to use to reconcile the world back to himself? That's for us, those of us who have made Jesus Lord. That's the question we ought to ask. If you haven't yet, you are still thinking about it. Does does the story of of this Ethiopian eunuch inspire you? Does it encourage you? Does it give you faith to take that step towards Jesus being Lord? Now that brings us to the close of the sermon. And those are the thoughts that I want to leave you with. And we will have a song, and then I'll come back up again for communion. Amen. That brings us to um, our Lord's Supper. Uh, This is the time where we really observe um, the death, the burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And prayerfully, through the help of the Spirit, we reflect in our own lives that this message, whether or not still holds true and relevant. 
We're reading today same passage that the eunuch was reading from uh, in Isaiah chapter 53. I'll just share with you guys the two verses that are mentioned there too. Uh, from verse 7 it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering their punishment? It stands to reason why this was such a mind-blowing passage to the, to the eunuch. You know, he, he, he's sitting and wondering, is Isaiah talking about himself? Did this happen to him or is this someone else? And obviously, we now know that this is the story of Jesus. That he came here and suffered the brutality, the murder, at the hands of the very people he came to save. So, we live each day, we've got struggles. Some might be self-inflicted, some might be as a consequence or as a result of some other situation. The bottom line is the struggle is real for all of us. And we are told that Jesus came and paid for all of it with his life. His blood was shed at the cross so that you and I, we could be the family that we are. We could enjoy the privileges of the fellowship that God's family offers. That we could partner up with God through his spirit in taking the message out. With those thoughts, let's go to God in prayer for the communion. Lord Jesus, we can never thank you enough. It is a mystery indeed that one died and therefore all died. Your death was for all of, for all of us. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves this morning, Lord, in our soul, in our spirit, in our hearts, mind, emotionally, God, wherever we find ourselves, we are not excluded from this promise. This is for, for all of us. Father, I pray that we have the same heart as this Ethiopian eunuch. A heart like a child, a heart of wonder, a heart of gratitude, a heart so determined to search and follow wherever the road leads. Just as long as we know that it is you that we are pursuing, I pray, God, that your death, though it happened so many years ago, it's as relevant to us to this day as it was then. I pray, Father, that we see and we appreciate and embrace the gift of the cross of Jesus. I pray that this brings us to a place where we allow you, Holy Spirit, to work in us, that we do not harden ourselves, we do not harden our hearts, we do not turn away, we do not close our ears, that we allow you to do the work you so desperately desire to do in us, the work of saving us. Father, we see, God, those that put Christ to the cross, God, how little they knew. Sometimes we don't know anything either, God. 
often we don't. Help us to grasp this. Help us to embrace the gift that you're giving us. We thank you and we pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.